Hello, this is Nuke Chas from the Nutty Bites Podcast and Beyond the Wall, and you're listening to the Melting Podcast. Mmm, what's melting? You're listening to the Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Word chefs and lexiconosaurs, this is Erin Kazmark, your grill mistress, hosting episode 32 of the Perfect Podcast. <sighs> sorry, sorry. There's this whole, um, screaming, diaper-clad, hungry thing in my house now. Um, I think they call it a baby? Yeah. I've got one of those now, so the, the, the tired is a thing. The tired is very much a thing, but I couldn't stay away from my people for too long. Because I love you. And you love me too. And you've been sending us stuff. Good job. You want to know what happens when you send us stuff? We record it. And edit it. Because trust me, you don't want the unedited version. You've seen that with Mystery Meals, and it can get pretty, um, inappropriate. Yeah, we'll go with that. So here is a main ingredient story, obviously produced by us, because it was sent to us. Yeah! Bon appetit! The Cost of Freedom by Jeff Brackett The mercenary yelped in pain. Her strike had been deceptively quick and the surprise of it made the pain seem harsher than it really was. Knowing that to look down was to invite defeat, Sean nevertheless felt the tightness in his chest where the small guardian had hammered her open palm into the breastplate of his armor. He stepped back quickly, and the guardian relaxed her stance. Who are you? she queried. Sean smiled, reassured that his identity was secure behind the mask. No one of any consequence. Who are you? She was also masked, apparently wishing to remain as anonymous as Sean. My name is Guardian. How original. What is your purpose here? I seek the Holy Grail. Who are you? Sean rolled his eyes. Not too bright, are you? He withdrew from the drawbridge and Guardian lost interest, once again intent on patrolling her perimeter. For the moment, he simply observed her. A slight Asian of average height, ensconced in what appeared to be ancient samurai-style black shellacked armor. How cliché, he thought. He knew, however, that appearances here were deceiving. Looking beyond her, the mercenary could just make out his objective. Through the portcullis, just at the edge of his sight, was his prize. Brightly gleaming upon its pedestal lay the glowing ball of blindingly bright light. His contact had simply called it the Orb. He hadn't offered any further description, and Sean knew better than to ask. All he needed to know was that Mr. Smith was willing to pay quite well for its acquisition. Thinking for a moment, he reached into the black silk bag at his belt. Sean used the phrase bag of tricks quite literally, 
Moving carefully, he withdrew a small serpent and held it up to stare into its cold, slitted eyes. Then, with its path plotted, he released it to slither across the drawbridge. The instant it reached the castle grounds beyond, Guardian streaked to its location. There was a blur of motion, and the serpent was gone. In its place stood Guardian. So quickly had she moved that Sean almost missed it. Did you send that? Of course not, he lied. Guardian seemed to contemplate his answer for a few seconds and then resumed her patrol. Moving carefully so as not to attract further attention, Sean sent a second serpent across the bridge on exactly the same trajectory. Then, drawing a pistol from his bag, he took careful aim at the spot where Guardian had stood as she killed the previous probe. Once more she appeared, lightning fast, and as she did so, he squeezed off a single shot to the head. He barely had time to register surprise before he found himself lying on his back, staring at the vast blackness above him. It took a moment for him to comprehend what had happened. Reflective shielding. He had heard of the technology, but had never before encountered it. The disruption string he had fired ricocheted off her armor and spent the last of its momentum impacting his own. It was several seconds before Sean was able to focus enough to scan his armor for damage. Nothing. He frowned. This is going to be harder than I'd thought. Picking up the pistol from where it lay beside him, he put it back into his bag. No way am I going to use that tactic again. Not on this job, at least. Mentally, Sean checked off his list. Brute force is no good. Worms don't fool her. She's shielded against high-speed intrusion. Trojans are useless. It seemed the more advanced his attack, the quicker Guardian reacted. There's not a single thing in my arsenal that can get me into that damn tower. Finally, he smiled. That's how I'll beat her. Taking a quick breath, Sean went over his inventory one last time. Hydra, syringe, cloak, katana, cookies. That should do it. Either that, or I won't be around to worry about it. He worked quickly, making minor alterations in the cookie's coating, and then compressed and inserted the Hydra, burying it deep within the external shell of the simple tracking program. That completed, he drew the cloak tightly around himself and pitched the cookie to the other side of the bridge. Once more, Guardian was drawn to the intrusion. This time, however, the simple cookie was evidently innocuous enough to not be viewed as a threat. Guardian picked it up. Sniffing almost delicately, she took a bite in order to process the coating. That was when all hell broke loose. Breaking the outer shell of the cookie triggered the Hydra Code, and the freed serpent immediately bit Guardian's hand. Once more, she moved like greased lightning and crushed the serpent in her grip. This time, however, when she opened her hand, there were two of the intruders, and one slithered quickly out of her hand to the ground. Another smashing grip followed by a stomping of the one at her foot, and the Hydra Code replicated yet again. Within seconds, there were dozens of the little serpents. Then there were hundreds. When he determined that Guardian was utilizing almost all of her internal processing capabilities, Sean triggered the cloak's stealth coding. It wouldn't have been enough on its own, but Guardian's detection grid was nearly overloaded as it whirled about, stomping and smashing the replicant codes that Sean had loosed upon it. Moving carefully, he timed his next move to coincide with a pre-programmed grouping of the Hydra replicants. As they grouped, 
Guardian saw her chance to destroy a large piece of the code that was attacking it. It moved into position, and Sean was waiting. As she whirled into place, Sean slashed from behind. Wounded and distracted by the myriad attacking Hydras, Guardian was still incredibly fast. She missed impaling Sean by a split second as she spun and lunged. Sidestepping, he parried the strike and nicked her armor as he passed her. The damage was minimal, but it was damage nonetheless. Smiling to himself at this tiny victory, he withdrew as the Hydras attacked again en masse. Exactly seven seconds later, he was waiting for her again as the next pre-programmed opening presented itself. The predictable Guardian jumped at another cluster of Hydra coating, and Sean once more attacked from behind. Once more, Guardian whirled and lunged. Once more, Sean parried and slashed before withdrawing behind the Hydras. Attack, lunge, parry, counter, withdraw. The process was repeated four more times before Sean judged Guardian's armor weak enough for a direct attack. Then... Attack, lunge, parry, counter. But this time he didn't withdraw. Stepping back towards his opponent, Sean plunged his blade through her weakened armor, directly to her core program. The final jolt of power as she died was excruciating, but he gritted his teeth and withdrew the katana. Then, as quickly as that, it was over. Guardian, the most advanced program Sean had ever faced in cyberspace, lay disassembled at his feet. Dropping to his knees, Sean withdrew his syringe and extracted as much of the Guardian code as he could get before she evaporated. He examined the black reflective fluid in the syringe with something akin to awe. Black ice. He shuddered. Intrusion countermeasures. Black grade was illegal. It was also lethal. He was lucky to have survived this encounter. Still, if he was right, she would also serve to get him past the final obstacle. Nearly staggering from exhaustion, Sean walked to the lock on the portcullis and squeezed the essence into the mechanism. As he had suspected, it immediately dissolved the lock. Before him lay the prize, the shining orb. Moving carefully, he netted the sphere, dropped it into his bag, and smiled wearily. Discom. Mentally exhausted, Sean barely had the strength left to utter the disconnect command. The castle walls around him faded as the physical realm once more took its hated hold upon him. For a few precious seconds, he kept his eyes closed, savoring the memories of the battle. Even the pain of his wounds was preferable to what now awaited him. Finally, knowing he could put it off no longer, Sean accepted his re-emergence into reality. The harsh white light was painful to eyes that had been closed for the last several minutes. Soon enough, though, they adjusted, and the sight of his crippled body once more repulsed him. Console. He spat the command. Ever obedient, his chair displayed a hollow screen before him. Communications. Email. Anonymous drop. And with each word, a different screen opened. Record between marks. He paused, gathering his thoughts. Then, Mark, package has been reacquired. Sample is attached. Full transfer upon receipt of funds. Mark, attach first two terabytes of data from the file orb 01. Send. Close console. Once more, 
he was left alone with his thoughts. His vicious thoughts, sharper than any cyberblade ever used against him, sharper than any cruel taunt he had heard while growing up. Sean had always been harder on himself than anyone else, had despised himself more than anyone else ever had. And he had eventually found that one place where his self-loathing had no anchor in reality. For by its very nature, the reality of cyberspace was malleable. Within the web, he was free of this mangled shell, free to dance as lightly and as gracefully as his mind allowed, free to test himself against the best security systems and hackers in cyberspace, free to be whoever he wanted. But it took credits to dance the web. Tonight's job would keep him online for another month. If he was careful, maybe six weeks. Six weeks to find another job. Six weeks of freedom. He smiled. I can live with that. Jeff Brackett is the author of Half Past Midnight, The Road to Rejas, Streets of Pain, Ghost Story, and a few other short stories in various magazines and anthologies. After having lived almost his entire life in and around Houston, Texas, circumstances brought him to Claremore, Oklahoma in 2014, where he, his wife, and two dogs, Bella and Cricket, settled into a smaller house with a much larger yard. They are all adjusting to the new semi-rural lifestyle quite well, and Jeff has even begun learning to garden. In the past, Jeff won or placed in a variety of writing competitions, and has recently signed contracts with Severed Press for his Chucklers trilogy, as well as a brand new series, the first book of which is called Endpoint Pangea. Watch out for the first book in the Chucklers trilogy to come out in the next few months, and the first of the Pangea series in the first quarter of 2017. You can follow Jeff's blog at www.jlbracket.com. Ooh, and a fun Easter egg to look out for if you read the Chucklers series, which you better. A.F. Graffin and I? Yeah, we're both characters in the books. <laughs> so have fun looking out for us. So, you know, reading that bio, that made me think, that's a lot like promoting him. I wonder if there's anything I could do to promote anyone else. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Here's a promo. Do you like movies? Well, let me make you an offer that you can't refuse. Have you ever found yourself standing at the local Cineplex with that smell of freshly buttered popcorn wafting through your nostrils, wondering if that new Hugh Jackman movie is really worth your time? Or have you ever lamented about that time you spent scouring the vast expanse of the internet for movie and DVD release dates when, let's be honest, you'd rather be leveling up your troll hunter, working on the great American novel, or even watching kitten videos? Oh yes, I said kitten videos. I will do the work for you. All I ask is 15 to 30 minutes of your time every Tuesday. My name is Michael Faulkner, and every Tuesday is showtime at the Weekly Plex, your audio guide to what's new at the box office, how the top ten fared over the weekend, and what's coming to your home theater on DVD and Blu-ray. You can find the Weekly Plex on the Chronic Rift Network at www.chronicrift.com, along with a plethora of other podcasts that explore the culture in pop culture. The Weekly Plex, brought to you by the Chronic Rift. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the theater. That's a wrap! 
So remember how I told you before that you guys really want to hear the edited version of things? Well, you do. Trust me. But sometimes among all of the drivel that comes out of our mouths and basic conversation and stuff, there's some real gems. And by gems, I mean things that'll probably make you spit out your coffee or whatever it is you're drinking at the time. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm talking about bloopers. I mean, come on. It's an episode hosted solo by me. You knew you were getting some botched recipes. Enjoy. Theo's here, too. Okay. He's not going to say much. <laughs> Come up here and say... I didn't know I was part of this banter. It's a cr- special Christmas episode. Yeah. Let's Come all, on. Let's all pretend we like each other. Oh. Let's get under some stronger shielding, she said, eyeing my exposure meter. Exposure meter. Exposure. Exposure. The ground lock shut with a screeching thud. The lock ground shut. Oh. <laughs> the ground lock shut. The ground lock shut. Dear God. Ah! <laughs> Poor Kylo Ren. <laughs> oh, I love Christmas. So do I. Me too. We have a consensus. <laughs> Christmas is awesome. Anyway, so say, say you love Christmas. Oh, I love Christmas. Well, I really hope you do. Wait, that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> I love Christmas. Well, I hope you do. Just just go inside for a bit. I went to the like newscast remote. Yes, you did. Uh Well, answers to that question and more when we return. Get right after you. I'm trying to get back up here. I can't. Back to you, Tom. (laughs) Back to you, Tom. Okay. Okay, how do you want me to mispronounce Gotrox? Gotrox. Gotrox. Just for the Rotanos. Gotrox? Gotrox? I love you, Mrs. Newell. I love you, I always will! With a nod, Julian opened the door. (laughs) How did you keep going? It's one of my few talents. Just keeping going? I'm like the Energizer Bunny. She found the aspirin and washed down a handful of pills with the dregs from the bottle of tequila that still sat on the countertop. That's That's stupid. (laughs) That's smart. You You were sarcastic. I was honest. I nodded. Low G caused the condition. It was unlikely his father would allow activities that had hastened at... Yeah. And for a period of decades, a new chase was conducted by a man of singular purpose and self-righteousness. Dean Winchester. (laughs) <laughs> you ever notice how hospital beds make you look small? Make you look what? Small. How many vowels were there? I don't know. I think small. at least three. W? The fragrance tickled the back of her throat, and a hudden, a hudden sunger. I'm going dyslexic. Oh my god! This is what happens. D is for dyslexia. A hudden sunger. A hudden sunger. Might as well get used to it. Start standing up to it like a man. Cat. Tonks, I love you. They're standing up to it like a cat. I was so tired of the crazy. She kept saying the same thing over and over, hoping the repetition would make the cat jingle. (laughs) Dear God, man, the jingling. Whose clone is missing? Cat flaps. Whose clone went out the cat flap? Senator Cat Flap. If any of my devotion might bring some blah, 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 then blah, blah, blah. 
This she'd found interesting. <laughs> I can't help it. Can't turn down a free portion of blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Wah, 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 wah. It's an early form of baklava. <laughs> blah blah blah. Shirley, blah blah blah. <laughs> Don't call me Shirley blah blah blah, it's Shirley blah blah blah. Oh, Shirley blah blah blah, he replied. <laughs> I have come to plead my family's case, he'd said, in a firm vehicle. <laughs> a vehicle of words. That would be a voice. Oh, wait. <laughs> there was a hint of sharpness, like cinnamon. Cinnamon. Huh? It's a bad day. An icon popped up in the lower right-hand side of my vision, indicating it. Nah, indicating stuff. Lots of stuff. Bravado had carried him across the river, around the shrine. I bit my tongue. My tongue is too bad. You got none tongue? I can fix that. I couldn't believe it. This guy was a knob. Property. Just, just go back and say that a couple of sentences again. That he called me out here. <clears throat> okay. Um, just because you had your hand in the, in the way. Oh uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, hand between you and. I'm emoting. I know. Anyway, <laughs> emote with your other hand. <laughs> My emoting hand. <laughs> Bravado had carried him across the river, around, around. Apparently, I can't say that. Tell El Jefe, I oh yeah. Tell El Jefe, In the beginning, she'd held held Hort. Oh my hort. God! I can't even get through the first sentence. Held Hort. Hort. <laughs> hort. hort. Right. Yeah. In the beginning, she'd held Hort. <laughs> I said it again. No. Court. So. It's just me knocking about alone in this great big castle. She did it again. With a stupid cat who won't stop making noise. I'd love to flog in a public event. Elena wanted to argue with him, but the vapor's drifting. Drifting. I'm like you now. I'm adding extra letters. The aspirin stayed down. The room stopped spinning. And Elena released. She released. She released. How, how do you glee something and then you have to re-glease it? If he couldn't have his own family, at least, God, the least, the, 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 word, the. The giddiness only grew as boxes were opened and colorful garlands. Uh, dad, L's, L's, L's and I are not friends. Oh my gosh. Doing it again. To hear my father tell it, dating used to be easier. Before cats came along. <laughs> and jingled everywhere. Uh, so, cats jingle. So, head on over to Pitu. Bleh. <clears throat> Pitu. Pitui. So, head. <laughs> Sorry. Pitu. <laughs> Thank you for doing it. You're welcome. He did you to do it. I'm sorry, sir. That's not procedure. The commandant left strict, strict instructions. Strift. Strift instructions. You for two, you for two bit for head head. Strift. Strift. I like that word. Strift. No, there's another one that's worse. If that goes in a blooper reel, you're dead.
because people will start sending me stories with that word in it just to spite me. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Jerd. Because he would. Oh, Jeff. Oh, God, Jeff so would just to screw with me. Sir, you are being deliberately offensive in violation of numerous EarthGov laws. Earth, Earth, EarthGov laws. Strift EarthGov laws. Strift EarthGov laws. Strict, strict earth laws. <laughs> Somebody laughs. Fuck! <laughs> We're silly. Of course, I might be way more amused by that than I normally would be because I have mummy brain and, you know, all that fun stuff right now. Newborns are great, by the way. You can't see it, but I'm giving you two thumbs up. Yeah. Well, before my mommy brain attacks again and I forget everything I'm supposed to do, I should probably start wrapping up the episode. AF doesn't have mommy brain, but still somehow has kept forgetting to remind you, so I will instead. It would be wonderful if you all could go and leave us a review on iTunes, because that will boost our visibility and help other people find the podcast. And since you all love us so much, and I love you too, don't you want to spread the love? So spread the love by not only sending us stuff, because that that's important. We need stuff. But also, leave us a review on iTunes, and it would mean a lot to us. And if you would, consider taking a look at our Patreon. You could get some swag. You might even be able to be part of the show. And, I mean, come on, who wouldn't want to do that, right? And we will also be putting out one bonus episode a year that is only for our Patreon backers, so you need to get in on that. And speaking of being a part of the show, if you're looking for some inspiration on something to send us, we have two current prompts open. Prompt number nine is you wake up alone at night with bite marks on your legs. What's eating you? That one sounds like fun. And prompt number 10. An animal from outside your local ecosystem has entered nature and is breeding uncontrollably. We've already gotten one for this one, guys, so come on, send us some more. Oh, and by the way, thank you, Nick Kelly. Well, I think that that is everything that I have for you guys this episode. I know, it's sad. You all love me. I'm totally the favorite, right? Right? Okay, I guess it doesn't matter because I kind of like AF too. But anyway, you know what to do, folks. Send us stuff and we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff!